0: Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. I love your Word. I love the way it comforts me. Uh, How many of you know that the Bible College has a boat ministry down at Dana Point Harbor? Okay, we do a lot of uh, all our marriage counseling down there, uh, family counseling. We take out Oh, We've taken out, um, uh, <laughs> it's a drug rehab uh, place, the people there that are recovering from alcoholism and drug abuse, and uh, yesterday we had the whole team from Calvary Chapel, uh, uh, Costa Mesa, their help ministry, come down to work on the boat. That's the boat, by the way, the name of the boat is Truth. Isn't that a great name? God told us to name it that, but that's the team, that's their help ministry Uh, thing we we have to paint the boat about every five years and it was trashed on top and uh, we just didn't have the team ourselves to do it so Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa I take out their worship team I take out uh, their youth ministry team I take out a lot of teams from Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa on the boat just to refresh them and bless them and a few of the pastors there too go out so if you ever need to get out let me know we'll sign you up and we'll take you. All right? Is that a deal? Sunset Harbor Cruise, you know, let me know. It should be ready in about two weeks. Pray for me because the rest of the work I'll be doing myself. So uh, finish sanding. The worst part is taping everything off to paint and then painting. And ask my wife, I get more paint on me than I get on the boat. It just is not a good thing. There are some more pictures of the team. And there, there they are on the boat. They, they were like, have you ever seen like bees like swarming on something? That's exactly what it was like. It was the craziest thing. And they they pretty much got all the paint off almost. Just a few spots. So, <laughs> Man, I feel like we need to pray again after that. All right, we're in Leviticus chapter 26. We have two chapters left. We will finish next week, Mark. <laughs> And if I was going to give the message a title this morning, it would be, it's your really choice if you want a blessing from God or a curse. And it flows right along with Pastor Chris's homily because actually that's going to be one of the verses that we uh, use in the sermon this morning. While driving down to meet the team down there, I saw this license plate on the 5 freeway and I wondered at first what does that mean? Who knows? Who can figure that out? Yeah, you got it. It's not that hard. My way or the highway. But at first I'm like, what is that Yahweh? No, not Yahweh. Uh, Oh yeah, my way or the highway. Hmm. Any of you ever use that? In marriage? You better not. (laughs) Amen. You do it my way or the highway. In dating, maybe you, you use it in work, sometimes you do. I don't know about you, but I really do want the highway, amen? And it's really, God is the only being in the universe that can say that. You see, the more you follow God and this book, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, the more you open the windows of heaven, what does the Bible say? That he might pour forth his blessings upon your life. The more you're disobedient to this book, guess what? you're going to face exactly what Pastor Chris talked about in the homily, the discipline of the Lord. And if you got the text from Ross this morning, he texted out that same verse. So it's interesting how the Holy Spirit speaks. In Isaiah chapter 35, starting at verse 8, it says, There's a highway in the last days during the millennial reign of Christ on this earth when he reigns, and it's going to be the highway of holiness. Isn't that cool? That... Isaiah had a vision of a highway, and the sign on the highway was the highway of holiness. Guess who gets to go on it? The redeemed of the Lord. Hey, fools and those that reject the Lord will not get to go to. First Peter chapter 1, verse 14, it says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance, but be like the Holy One who called you. Oh, be holy yourselves, also in all of your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Don't you love it when the pastor starts preaching on holiness from the pulpit? Do you feel convicted? It's like, whoa, man, that guy, I can never be holy. Man, if you only knew how wretched I am. Well, you know, that's where all of us are. And only Christ is holy, but we can sure attempt to live a life pleasing to the Lord. Amen. But why would we want to be holy? Why should we pursue holiness with every ounce of strength that we have? God commands it, it, and I tell you what, there is something about striving to be obedient and pleasing to God that opens the windows of heaven that he might bless you and bless your marriage and bless your work and bless everything that you put your hands to do. I'm not talking about a prosperity doctrine here, but I am talking about God blesses and uh, unleashes blessings on obedient children and discipline on those that are disobedient willfully, just like we do with our kids. We're going to finish Leviticus next week. Next week is one of those sermons that no pastor, well, most, let me say this. Pastors that really love the Lord and love God's people do not want to preach on Leviticus chapter 27. Why is that? It's all about, what, what's the, the word that you shouldn't mention in church? It's all about tithing and money. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into it though. All of God's promises are provisional. Do you know that? Every promise in the in the Bible is provisional. We do something, and then God promises He'll do something, or we don't do something, and God promises He won't do maybe what He was going to do. Let's look at a few proof texts of that. John three sixteen is that provisional? Think about it. For God so loved the world that whosoever does what? What's the provision? Has faith in Christ, believes. He will inherit eternal life. Even that is a provisional promise. As an example, let's look at prayer. Do you think there's some prayers God doesn't hear? Even God hearing and answering prayers is provisional. Let's look at some verses. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord does what? He will not hear my prayer. You know, I get calls all the time and emails from people. Our church is small, but I'm called a community pastor. What does that mean? I'm out in the community. I'm I'm one of the pastors that anybody can call at any time. They all have my cell phone. It's posted on our website. So I get calls all the time. And they're like, how come God doesn't answer my prayers? You know, there's a litmus test and there's a bunch. The first one is, do you regard wickedness in your heart? To regard there literally means in the Hebrew to see, look at, inspect, perceive, consider, meditate on, approve. If you do any of that to wickedness, God does not hear your prayers. I don't know about you, but wow, maybe that's a reason God isn't answering some of our prayers. That's the first test. What else? John chapter 9, verse 31. We know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God fearing and does his will, he hears him. Guess what? Sinners. One who is devoted to sin, who makes sin a part of his or her lifestyle. If you're doing that, God doesn't hear your prayers. Proverbs 28 9. He who turns away his ear from listening, To the word of God, the law, even as prayer is an abomination. And if your prayer is an abomination, guess what? God doesn't regard it. He can't even look at it. Micah chapter 3 verse 4, then they will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. Instead, he will hide his face from them at that time because they have practiced evil deeds. We know that's to go on willfully sinning. It's part of who they are. If that's you, God is not hearing your prayers. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 13. And just as he called, and they would not listen, so they called, and I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts. First Peter, how about this, guys? Hey, if you don't honor your wife as a fellow heir of the kingdom your prayers will be hindered. What does that mean? Huh? What is it? I just said amen. Oh yeah, amen. <laughs> Hinder literally in the Greek means to be cut down, to be cut off, to stop, prevented from accomplishing anything. So you go through this. Man, if you're Constantly pondering wickedness, if your mind is constantly dwelling and you're practicing sin and you're not pursuing holiness and you're not honoring one another, and it goes both ways, folks. It's not just husbands honoring their wife, it's wives honoring their husband. If you're not doing that, your prayers will be hindered or cut short. Why does God not answer so many prayers? Wow, I don't know about you. Often during the day, I'm tempted. Is it wrong to be tempted? No, no. No. So when that weird temptation comes in, we take every thought captive, right, to obedience to Christ. That's what the Word of God says. So the weird temptation comes in, we take that thought captive, say, no, Lord, man, I'm going to obey you rather than my flesh and this temptation that's coming in my heart every thought captive. If you're doing that, God still hears your prayers. You're not evil. You're not dwelling on the evil, right? You're not meditating on the evil thing and pursuing wickedness rather than pursuing holiness. Proverbs 15, 29, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. And thank God that when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, his righteousness is imputed to us. Do you know that? That it's his righteousness that God sees in us and he hears our prayers because we're taking every thought captive. We're honoring one another and we're not dwelling or meditating or practicing wickedness. Amen? All right. James chapter 1 verse 5. What about this? Doubt. Right? Hey, what does it say? But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For the man, that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. You see, this is a big one that even saints of God that are pursuing holiness, that when they're tempted, they take those thoughts captive, and they're striving to be pleasing to God, not out of works or legalism, but they want the blessing of God in their life, and they're doing all these things, doubt sometimes still comes in. Does it ever happen to you? When's the last time you prayed for someone that was sick? Did you really believe God could and potentially would heal them, or did you doubt? I doubt He's going to heal them, but I'll pray for you. Lord, help them. know he's probably not going to do it hey we need to pray and ask believing without any doubt god is a mighty god he can hold you and sustain you through everything proverbs fifteen eight says the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the lord but the prayer of the upright is his delight think about that has someone you really loved that you desired to talk to ever given you the silent treatment how many times do we give God the silent treatment? He just wants to talk to us. It's his delight that we communicate and pray. Oh man, Lord, I do all these great things. I've sacrificed to serve you, but God delights in you talking to him and praying. Huh. Isaiah fifteen twenty-two. Samuel said, The Lord... As much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. You see, the Lord loves obedience kids. Obedient kids. He can bless you when you're striving to be obedient. When you're pursuing holiness. Second Samuel 22, 20, it says, he also brought me forth into a broad place and rescued me because he did what? Delighted in me. How do you make the Lord delight in you? What do we read? Obedience in what? Talking to him, prayer. He loves that. It says, man, the prayer of the righteous delights the Lord. Mm. And we know this promise, provisional. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. I found that to be true. Every little weird desire that's meant godly when I'm delighting myself in the Lord, the Lord lets it happen. And sometimes I'll forget it'll be years and all of a sudden they'll tap me on the shoulder. I think I told you the story when I was a little kid. I wanted to live across the street from Disneyland. Anyone ever want to do that? I just thought, how cool would that be? Every day after school I could just walk over to Disneyland and that would be my playground and... In Bible college, I led a guy to the Lord at the Newport Pier, and he lived in Anaheim. And he was a drug addict, but God instantly sobered him up, and he needed discipleship. I was living on the dorms at uh, Vanguard University. Back then, it was Southern California College. And so uh, I said, man, I'll move in with you for, for a while. Guess what? He lived across the street from Disneyland. Guess, guess what the neighborhood was like? gunfire every night i mean literally it was a rough neighborhood but it's i'm laying there and i i'm literally hearing gunfire and uh you know i don't even think i heard a word of english and none of the people around there spoke english and it stunk in there i mean this guy's apartment was i mean i mean literally beer cans i mean it was ugh, you know and and I'm laying there, I'm like, Lord, why am I here? And he goes, remember, when you were a little kid, you loved me, you delighted yourself in me, and you said, man, it would be so awesome to live. Be careful what you ask for, right? <laughs> right? You got to do that. Proverbs eight seventeen. I love those who love me, and those who diligently seek me will find me. Is that provisional, even that? Yeah, Absolutely blessings and cursings, all the prophets. In fact, the whole Bible is about free will. Folks, if you're a Calvinist, I apologize in advance. If you're a hyper-Calvinist, then we need to talk. But I got to tell you this, the whole Bible is about choose you this day whom you will serve. The whole Bible is yes or no, pursuing holiness or pursuing your flesh. The whole Bible is all about choose blessings of God or curses. Our text this morning, Leviticus chapter 26, Deuteronomy chapter 4, and Deuteronomy chapter 28, and throughout the word of God, it's all based on these texts. Man, if you do this, child of God, my son or daughter, I will bless you. I will give you the land. You will be blessed, and I will raise you up, and you'll be loved by me, and I'll abide in you, and you'll abide in me if you do this stuff. Oh, but if you rebel against me, I will discipline you. Old and new covenant. Hmm. Huh. Huh. Choose this day Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 11 verse 26 says see I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse the blessing if you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God which I am commanding you today and the curse if you do not listen to the commandments of the Lord your God but turn aside from the way which I am commanding you today does that sound like free will to you absolutely Folks, the whole Bible, Old and New Covenant, is all about God's provisional promises. He desires for us to choose right rather than following wickedness. Leviticus chapter 26, let's read verses 1 through 13. You can open your Bibles if you want. Can't believe we're going to finally finish Leviticus next week. But if Mark is a prophet, it'll be the following week. (laughs) Uh, Starting at verse 1, you shall not make for yourselves idols. Hey, what can be an idol in your life? Anything. A car, a relationship, your spouse. Hey, your kids can be an idol. Uh, Your work can be an idol. Your computer could be an idol. Whatever you think about or put before God becomes an idol. Hmm. Yeah, TV can be an idol. Nor shall you set up for yourselves an image or a sacred pillar, nor shall you place a figured stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. If you walk in my statutes, provisional promise... And keep my commandments so as to carry them out. Then I shall give you rains in their season. So the land will yield its produce. And the trees of the field will bear fruit. Indeed your threshing will last for you until grape gathering. And grape gathering will last until sowing time. And you will thus eat your food to the full and live securely in the land. I shall also grant you peace in the land, so that you may lie down and no, uh, with no one making you tremble. I shall also eliminate the harmful beasts from the land, so that no sword will pass through the land. But you will chase your enemies, and they will fall before you by the sword. Five of you will chase a hundred. Did this happen during the Six-Day War, when Israel was fighting the countries all around it in 1967? Absolutely. Remember two Israeli tanks held back the whole Egyptian army. Think about that. They say it was as if the hand of God came down and pushed the whole <laughs> Egyptian. I mean, literally, this was fulfilled when God prophetically brought the Jews back to their land. I love that. Hmm. And your, oh yeah, five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000 and your enemies will fall before you by the sword. Verse nine, so I will turn toward you and make you fruitful and multiply you and I will confirm my covenant with you. You will eat the old supply and clear out the old because of the new. Moreover, I will make my dwelling among you and my soul will not reject you. I will also walk among you and be your God, and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt so that you would not be their slaves. And I broke the bars of their yoke and made you walk erect. Hey, this is God saying, if you do what? What did this passage start out with? Yeah, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and carry them out, then I will bless you. Mm-hmm. There are like three times as many um, penalties for disobedience yes. as God lists uh, blessings for obedience. Oh yeah, no. Very Absolutely, amen. Disobeying God is when he cannot bless you, even in the new covenant, right? All right, so Leviticus chapter 26, verses 14 through 39. Let's go to the penalties. But if you do not obey me, and do not carry out all these commandments, if instead you reject my statutes, and if your soul abhors my ordinances so as not to carry out all my commandments, and so break my covenant, I will in turn do this to you. I will appoint over you sudden terror. Literally, you could say panic, almost like a panic attack. And consumption and fever will uh, waste away the eyes and cause the soul to pine away. Also you will sow your seed uselessly, for your enemies will eat it up. I will set my face against you, so that you will be struck down before your enemies. So those who hate you will rule over you, and you will flee when no one is pursuing you you. What does it sound like? Man, you become disobedient to God. He removes in the new covenant what? The fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of those things, this is the absence of that fruit. You want the blessing of God? You want the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life? And you want God to hear and answer your prayers? We need to pursue holiness. Amen? And obedience to God. Verse 19, I will break down your pride of power. I will also make your sky like iron and your earth like bronze. Your strength will be spent uselessly. For your land will not yield its produce, and the trees of the land will not yield their fruit. If then you act with hostility against me, remember if you desire to be friends with the world, you become what? An enemy of God. Hey, choose this day. Are you going to be a worldly-minded Carnal Christian, or are you going to pursue holiness and pursue obedience to God? Do you want a blessing, or do you want a curse? Do you want the discipline of the Lord, or do you want the blessing of the Lord to fill your life and the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Verse 22. I will let loose among you the beasts of the field, which will bereave you of your children and destroy your cattle and reduce your number, so that your roads lie deserted. And if by these things you are not turned to me, but act with hostility against me, then I will act with hostility against you. And I, even I, will strike you seven times for your sins. And I will also bring upon you a sword, which will execute vengeance for the covenant. And when you gather together into your cities, I will send pestilence among your sickness so that you will, shall be delivered into the enemy's hands. And when I break your staff of your bread, ten women will bake your bread in one oven, and they will bring back your bread in rationed amounts so that you will eat and not be satisfied. If... Yet, in spite of this, you still do not obey me, but act with hostility against me. Then I will act with wrathful hostility against you, and I, even I, will punish you seven times for your sins. Further, you shall eat the flesh of your sons and the flesh of your daughters. Did that happen? Hey, remember Josephus? Who knows who he is? He is a Jewish historian, but he was working for the Roman emperor way back in the first century. And he wrote the history of the Jews. And he talks about, remember when they went to Masada, that fortress in 70 AD, and they were held up there, and the Romans were down, and they were running out of food. They actually, it's written, some of them cannibalized their own children. They were so hungry. This was a curse from God. Why has Israel been cursed they truly have been a cursed nation. Have, have you studied their history? Man, they've lost the land. They've been beaten down because they would consciously, willfully disobey God, break covenant with God. And that's why they were dispersed across the whole world. Because they weren't keeping covenant with God. But God said in a promise, I'll preserve you even when the, in the nations where I sent you. And we're going to read it even here in Leviticus 26 later. He brought them back in 1917, and now he's blessed them, their 70-year anniversary this year. By the way, did you hear Trump may be moving the embassy May 14th? Anyone hear that? All right. May 14th is the, uh, when they declared their independence, Israel, so it's the exact 70-year anniversary that they've been independent nation again fulfilling Bible prophecy and Trump is now thinking hey we should do it on the birthday of their 70th anniversary May 14th and a a Jewish billionaire said he'll pay for it or a lot of it if if Trump does it so they're trying to figure that out now so pray for that because he's going to get a lot of flack from the whole world if he does move our embassy there Um, and so we need to pray for that all right On and on, he talks about, I will punish you seven times out, verse 33, skip down to that if you would. You, however, I will scatter among the nations and will draw out a sword after you. Did that happen in Germany? Hey, absolutely. They were scattered in the nations. They did not have their home territory anymore because they disobeyed God. And your land becomes desolate and your cities became a waste. Did that happen to Israel? Oh, yeah. Read what Mark Twain talked, uh, wrote about Israel when he visited there in the 1800s. He said, it is a horrible place. All it is is rocks and dryness and marsh and salty marsh. It's unusable. It's a cursed land. This is what Mark Twain wrote about Israel in the 1800s. Guess what it is now? Hey, they export almost more fruit than any other country in the world. They've made the desert bloom. Did God predict that? Oh yeah, I'll draw you back to the land, 1917. By 1967, they had forests, they had vineyards, they had orange groves, they had apple groves. They are making the desert bloom exactly as Ezekiel prophesied. Verse 34. The land will enjoy its Sabbaths all the days of the desolation while you are in your enemy's land. Hey, this occurred in the book of Daniel. Remember, How many years were they in captivity under Babylon when Daniel was taken? Seventy years. Seven times ten years of Sabbaths. God had them repay. Because for 490 years they didn't do the Jubilee or the Sabbaths of the land. Interesting. Verse 36. As for... Those of you who may be left, I will also bring weakness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies. And the sound of a driven leaf will chase them. Even when no one is pursuing them, they will flee as though from the sword and they will fall. They will therefore stumble over each other as if running from the sword, although no one is pursuing them. And you will have no strength to stand up before your enemies." But you will perish among the nations, and your enemies' land will consume you. So those of you who may be left will rot away because of their iniquity in the lands of your enemies, and also because of the iniquities of their forefathers, they will rot away with them. If they confess their iniquity, and then he goes into the promise again, of their forefathers and their unfaithfulness, which they have committed against me, and also in They're acting with hostility against me. I also was acting with hostility against them to bring them into the land of their enemies or if their uncircumcised heart becomes humbled so that they may then make amends for their iniquity. Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob. If they do what? Come back to the Lord. Repent of their sin. Oh, then I'll remember my covenant with Jacob. I'll remember also my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham as well. And I will remember the land for the land will be abandoned by them and will make up for its Sabbath while it is made desolate without them. They meanwhile will be making amends for their iniquity because they rejected my ordinances and their soul abhorred my statutes. Yet in spite of this, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not reject them. Did God sustain them as a people? How many years were Jews without a land? About 2,000 years, right? Just about. And yet God sustained them wherever they went. It's the only people group that still has their identity completely after 2,000 years of being dispersed. And God brought them back to the land. And I will remember for them the covenant with their ancestors, verse 45, whom I brought out of the land of Egypt and the sight of the nations, that I might be their God, and I am the Lord. These are the statutes and ordinances and laws which the Lord established between himself and the sons of Israel through Moses at Mount Sinai. Okay, we finished 26. Hey, let's close early, and no, we're not going to do that yet. (laughs) Thank God for this. Despite it, Leviticus makes the way to repent. How does God end the chapter? If you obey me, I'm going to bless you. I'll I'll keep you in the land. I'll prosper you. Everything's going to be good. If you disobey me, what? I'm going to bring pestilence, sickness, sword. You're going to be dispersed across the whole world. Did that happen? Yeah, absolutely. But then he comes back, if you repent, I'll remember my covenant with you. Does he still do that with us? Absolutely. Don't think that you have sinned too much or too greatly, that God can't bless you, because the minute you come to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, I blew it again. Guess what? Instantly you are washed by the blood of Christ, you are cleansed, you are forgiven. You are justified, and what does that mean? Just as if it never happened. In fact, God says, I will cast that sin, the memory of it, into the sea of forgetfulness. I'm not going to remember it as far as the east is from the west. Don't let the enemy constantly say, you did this 10 years ago. God can never bless you. The second you repent, you are cleansed, you are forgiven, right? and you are brought into right relationship with the Lord, and he remembers his covenant, and his blessings will again begin to flow into your life. But if you're practicing sin, totally different thing, right? Repentance means what? Hey, I'm pursuing this. I repent. I turn, and I start pursuing something else. You see, it's kind of like target practice. If you're aiming for the bullseye, and you miss, God judges the heart. You are aiming for the bulls. I was aiming for holiness, Lord, but I keep blowing it. I know, son. I know, daughter. I forgive you. I paid for that on the cross. At least you're pursuing obedience, and you're trying to be pleasing son or daughter to me so I can bless you because I know your heart. You're really, you fall, but you get up and you keep going. But if you're aiming at wickedness, what do we read? God doesn't even hear your prayers. Hey, he's going to wait. You want to do that? I'll let you go. Man, be dispersed in the world. Experience the fear and the lack of the fruit of the Holy Spirit and anxiety. I grew up in a Christian home. I truly loved the Lord. As a child, all I knew was God, and I pursued God with everything I had. And God blessed me in school, blessed me playing football, everything. I, I I, I didn't even know what depression was until i started experimenting in the world in college now think about that i had the fruit of the holy spirit i was a young man that loved jesus and didn't know depression never i went to college and started experimenting in the world and i said you know what lord I'm going to take a break and I'm going to pursue worldliness. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sow my wild oats. Your, your Bible says, remember not the sins of my youth. I didn't have any in my youth, so now I got to do it so your word is true. How do you like that for justification? I've got to sin, so your Bible is true. You know? <laughs> oh boy, and I did. And all of a sudden, I woke up one night in the middle of the night and I was completely depressed. The joy of the Lord had left. I was anxious. I was, and I had never known that my whole life because I truly loved Jesus with the childlike faith. Mm. Acts 3:19 says, "Therefore repent and return, so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. There is nothing." More valuable in my life than the fruit of the Holy Spirit in my heart. I got to tell you that. I don't care about things. I don't care about money. I've lived in a car. I've lived on a boat. I've had nothing. But when I have the fruit of the Holy Spirit, I have everything. You see, I have peace and joy. Man, God wants to give you that if you just pursue Him, if you aim for holiness. Even though you fail, and you will fail every day, maybe several times, and it might be a sin that you've committed before. You keep falling to that same sin, but you get up and say, Lord, give me strength, help me not to do it again, and you run and you fall again. You get up and you keep pursuing holiness. That's the son or daughter God can bless. Amen? I'm not talking about legalism here. I'm talking about experiencing the blessing rather than the discipline of the Lord. Amen? and I've experienced the discipline of the Lord. Pastor Chris, the verse, Ross, the verse that you guys both in stereo, now it's triphonic, is that a word? Sound. <laughs> triphonic sound, Hebrews 12:9. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? for they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them but he disciplines for us for our good so that we may share his holiness amen mm. all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful could we say pruning pastor chris yeah but sorrowful yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness and the fruit of the Holy Spirit I'm a hard-headed jerk sometimes God had to discipline me several times but when I come back to the Lord the peace and the fruit of the Holy Spirit again refresh my heart and my soul consider it all joy James chapter 1 verse 2 says when you encounter various trials could we say discipline or pruning absolutely knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking nothing. And that's here in your heart where it really matters. Mm. Choose this day. I think the Lord as we bring Leviticus to a close, ends that whole book of the law, all these laws on this. Man, are you pursuing me Am I truly your heavenly father? Do you love me? Jesus said that if you love me, you keep my commandments. You see, we aim for it with everything that we have. We love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength, amen? Mm. Blessing for a faithful obedience to God and genuine repentance for sin, that brings refreshing from the Lord. That brings the fruit of the Holy Spirit and the blessing of God into your life. Discipline for those who practice sin and refuse to repent. And we already read that verse again. Amen. Come on up, worship team. If you need prayer, the pastors will be back there. And as they're coming up, the Lord would say this to all of us this morning. The good news is this. No no matter if you've fallen away from God... And you've pursued the flesh, I don't care how long, it could be 20 years, could be two years, could be three days. This morning the Lord says, if you repent, times of refreshing will come. I love you, my son, my daughter. Run to me that I might go before you and pour out my blessings and fruit of my spirit in your life, amen? This morning the Lord would say, choose this day, either a blessing or a curse, Father God, we thank you, Lord, that you love us. And God, I pray that as all of us, Lord, work out our salvation. Lord, I pray that we would run to you. Lord, that we would aim for your holiness. Lord, your word says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all your needs will be met. So Lord, this morning we ask that you would give us the strength to seek you first in our life. Lord, that you would keep us on that narrow path, that highway of holiness. And Lord, if there's anyone here that has been off that path, has been pursuing the world and things of this world, God, I pray that you would woo them to repentance, Lord. Your word says it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. So, Lord, we desire the kindness, not the discipline this morning. So, Lord, we run back to you. Keep us in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, Contact us at 949 888 5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve Him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week. I love your word. I love.